Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, The Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of My Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. Here's some exciting news. Thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. Hope you enjoy listening and watching. I am back with Philippa Sandal and this marvelous book that is going to completely confuse and surprise people called Sea Furrers, The Ship's Cats Who Lapped and Mapped the World, An Incidental History. I don't think everybody has a sense that cats have for centuries been on boats, on ships with people, very much so. And this beautiful little book is just a complete delight, and it chronicles so many of these adventures, misadventures, Mousers, mates, and more. Philippa, there you are in Australia at a totally different, a totally different part of the globe, and yet you bring us all together with a love of, of kitty cats. So thank you so much for putting together this beautiful book. Thank you very much for having me back on your show, Tracy. So tell, I mean, you, you were on once before on Cat Chat as well, yes. talking about a blog from which this, this book grew, and it's very historical. I mean, people know about, you know, a few of the explorers throughout time who maybe had a Norwegian, I don't know, forest cat on their boat or a Maine Coon cat or something. But the idea that some of the great adventures of, of mankind had kitty cats along is not really well known. And I'm imagining that you weren't that clear about it yourself until you kept on digging, right? Look, it, it all, I mean, coming from Australia, we have this very famous story of Matthew Flinders the um, uh, young ship's captain who circumnavigated Australia in 1801 to 1803. Okay. And he had a cat called Trim. So down here, we are very familiar with the fact that, you know, there was a very famous um, seafarer or ship's cat I called see. Trim. I see. And Matthew Flinders um, had many adventures, <clears throat> some of which you can read in the book, but... Trim, um, he he gets heading back to UK in 1803 um, in an entirely unsuitable small boat because they'd been shipwrecked. He pulls into Mauritius at the wrong moment, and because Britain is at war with France, and he's imprisoned for something like six and a half years, and his cat is imprisoned with him, and at some point he gives his cat away. The cat disappears, and he's heartbroken, and he writes this extraordinarily beautiful story as a tribute to his cat, Trim. So we, we grow up with the story of this extraordinary seafaring cat. Um, and, you know, if ever you come down under, anywhere you go, you'll buy this little book called, you know, Trim. Really? So, 
Yeah. This is, isn't it amazing? But, you know, isn't it amazing that we can have cultures where we have a shared language and and even a shared heritage because we all come from the British in some way or another, or at least Mm. many of us do, or the Scottish or the Mm. Welsh or something. And here's something that's part of the Australian culture, part of your mythology, your history. And it's new to me, and I've been immersed in, you know, the cat world for well over a decade. And so many of the stories in the book Seafurers come from that same sense of, wow, look at these true historical incidents and real-life people and real-life kitty cats who were their mascots, who were their sidekicks, who were their, you know, you know companions. And it's really, yeah. it's it, it clearly is more of your Australian sensibility because we seem to have lots of dog stories, you know, Lassie and Rin Tin Tin and I don't know. Not so much kitty cats in that sense. You know, maybe the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland, but not real live cats who lived in a well, prison. Was, and he, Trim was a real live cat, and I think that is what makes it, it um, interesting. Yes. But the way the book kicked off, which it sort of kicks off with Trim because I was talking to a friend about Flinders. Yes. Um, and um, I don't know quite where it came from. Suddenly, into my head, taking a walk along Bondi Beach one day, I was thinking seafarers, seafarers, and I thought, well, you could have seafarers. <laughs> and I just, I just got, I like to play with words, and I just got interested in the idea of ship's cats. So I did a Google, as one does, and, and discovered, this was about seven years ago, discovered this whole world of ship's cats yes, out there. Yes, yes. And... Uh, and some wonderful photographs, most of them sort of PR-type, wartime ones, but some wonderful, quite moving photographs and some really amazing stories. And I became interested in not so much the tall tales, but the true tales. Yes. Um, especially the mishaps, of course, they really capture you, where people stop the boat and turn around and go and rescue a cat that's fallen overboard, which I find quite astonishing, really. Yeah, I th- I th- they're um, more, more readily willing to do it probably for the cat than for some of their shipmates, the two-legged kind. I would think so. I think I would think that's highly <laughs> likely. And, and I was pottering along looking at these stories and being rather enchanted by them, and history is my background. And I read um, an article on... Um, by some geologists, one of whom is a very famous American geologist called Walter Alvarez. And they were writing about um, the geology of the Atlantic and how you could learn about this from the early explorers' tales. And right at the front of their article, they had this astonishing picture of the cat carved on the column, um, which is on right at the front of the book. I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was like giving me a gift, Tracy. I thought, well, I've, I've got to do something with... I fell in love with this particular carved cat, I, and um, I've got to do something with him. And I played with ideas like, you know, maybe he could come to life and have adventures of his own or whatever. Right. But that's not really my genre. I'm My background is history. I'm a kind of a facts-on-the-table kind of person. So I went back to the real stories, but this carved cat has always been the driving force I'll be um, behind everything. Because, you know, he, there must have been cats with Vasco da Gama. I see. Because, because you love history so much, the further back it goes, the more intriguing it is to you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, the further back you go, the less there is to find. Yes. So you really, you really have to dig and, um, uh, you know, you can be fairly confident if they were writing about rats on ships, they had cats. Right. Um, and if they had any kind of grain or although I, they were theoretically cats were there to keep the mice out of the grain because you couldn't sell it if it was polluted by right. mouse duty and so forth. Although I understand that a lot of cats really don't do that job very well and they're happy to just have some nice fish on the side and they don't really go oh, around. Look, I think I think that's dogs who put that one about. You do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, here's I'd love you to read Incident 34. The book is made into incidents in different chapter headings. And Incident 34 is called First Aid, and it's two pages. And if you would read it in your beautiful accent, it is so charming because... Sorry, it, what, page, what page is that? It's on page uh, 198 under the mascots. Uh, mascots. And what I love about oh, it... Oh, I love that story. It involves the U.S. Navy, and we're talking 1919. And this is yes. real, literal, hilariously funny, witty, wry, sardonic... Um, letter written from the Bailey. commanding. Yes, so so read it because this is the sort of thing that makes up this this marvelous book, and it it's just each of them is either an entree or an appetizer, but very very satisfying either way. First aid, catnip, the true tale of Thomas Whiskers, USN, from the grog ration, March to April two thousand and eight, now called the grog, thirteen December nineteen nineteen. From the commanding officer, USS Solace, to the commanding officer, USS Bell. Subject, ship's cat. Several members of the crew of this ship have informed me, the commanding officer, that the mascot of the Solace, Thomas Whiskers, has been kidnapped or catnipped by certain members of your crew and is being impounded on board your <laughs> ship. This mascot is a large black tom and when last seen was in his dress uniform consisting of a leather collar with the brass tag marked USS Solace. If this cat is on board your ship, please inform me and I will send a member of the crew for it. 1920, from the commanding officer USS Bell to commanding officer USS Solace. Subject, your letter of December 13, 1919. Your ship Cat Whiskers is being returned under guard, <laughs> but an explanation of his presence aboard the ship is no doubt due you. Prior to our departure from alongside the Solace, the cat in question developed a warm regard for the USS Bell, <laughs> consequently spending much of his time on board. On the morning we shifted berth, his presence aboard was unknown to us. Later in the day after your ship had sailed, he was found to have taken possession of an unoccupied Room. <laughs> the master at arms immediately made him prisoner on the ground he was a stowaway and incarcerated him in the paint locker. <laughs> this will account for the fact that he is no longer the black cat you describe, but Battleship Grey. <laughs> we advise against the removal of this collar since its low visibility aids the performance of his duties. In regard to the dress uniform worn by the prisoner, in his attempts to remove the paint, he pulled off the collar and lost it. The ship feels under no obligation in regard to the latter. In adding one ten-cent collar to its stores, it lost two dollars worth of paint. I, it is so delightful. It is so witty. It's, it's so believable. You know that commanding officers of Navy ships really did write charming, funny missives like this, had the time to be, 
you know, kind of like Mark Twain kind of, I don't know what the equivalent would be in Australia, but very clever and very funny and just adorable about it. And, and the idea that these two ships, I guess, uh, you know, tied up with each other and the cat went back and forth between the two, it obviously was considered quite normal to have cats on board Navy ships. And, and many of Absolutely. the photos in here have photos of the entire crews of a ship and several are holding a cat or a kitten. Well, I think the thing I love about the Thomas Whiskers story, which was one of the earliest ones that I, in fact, found and put on the blog, is that I found a postcard of the very cat. So this is one of the few stories where we actually have the story and we have a picture of the actual cat. Um, uh, a very nice American former Navy guy called Brian Buckbury is a, was a collector of postcards, and I saw this in a book of postcards about cats, and he very kindly gave me permission to use it in the book. So it's, that was really the icing on the cake. I'll say, was, I'll say, and it's and it's wonderful, was, and it, was finding that, and it's written right on it who it was that it was Tom Whiskers. Yes. You you also have the most adorable thing that I just cannot help loving periodically at the bottom the, the book is beautifully produced so there's photos and there's little factoids and there's things according to bart but i love the wiskipedia it's so funny i thought is she going to get in trouble for calling it wiskipedia when you oh, just i hope ex- not, I, I, hope hope not. not. <laughs> I hope not i hope people have a sense of humor but every so often you'll put that in to just sort of you know give a definition of what a mascot is well, I, I thought these were quite interesting because mascot is a word that we just so take for granted. Yes. And it's quite, it's quite intriguing to discover that many of these are recent acquisitions to our language. Yes. I mean, and, and that's the beauty of the book is that while it's very amusing and very charming, and if you love cats, you can't help but love it, there's lots to be learned and, and to get a sense of the long, um, the long history and the long story. Mm that involves mm. humans and cats and ties them together. And that's only on the sea, right? This is only very yes. specifically on ships. And yes. yet it's such a rich history. It's an extraordinarily rich history. And I think I, I'm sure you could do something very similar for um, the army. But the thing that is, in, is for me was fascinating about the sea is that a ship obviously creates a little world that's all its own. Yes, yes. Um, and people are very isolated and obviously very lonely. Um, and pets are an incredibly important part of a sailor's life. Um, I, I, I love a book called Jack Carr by Roy and Leslie Adkins, and they, which is really just about the daily life of the seamen. And they have a whole chapter in which they talk about pets and the adventures with different pets and and these sorts of things and why they were so important. Um, and and then you actually have the Great White Fleet, which collects an extraordinary number of pets, including kangaroos from Australia and bears from all over America and Canada. So completely odd, right? I mean, it's something we just don't know about. Now, another incident that I like a lot is Incident 18, Sleeping Quarters, which is on page 110. Diary of the Terra Nova Expedition to the Antarctic in 1910 to 1912. So tell a little about this story. I mean, this is amazing. And you have a photo from the time, a postcard dated July 8, 1913. And it says right on the postcard, Six Bell Sleeper, Wyoming's mascot. 
and it shows this little teeny kitten, I know tiny it. little fuzzy kitten in a little tiny hammock. And apparently, I know according to he, he had a he had a small blanket and a pillow, and he used to I sleep in this little hammock. It just you just want to die. It's so cute. Uh, that photograph is another one, thanks to the wonderful Brian Buckbury. But I think that the reason that the Terra Nova um, diary is so interesting that this is one of the few places where I was able to get an absolute description of the hammocks um, yes. and and where they had strung it and, and these sorts of things. And I became interested, obviously, then, as one does, in the hammock, you know. So, you know, ham how long have hammocks been around? I mean, I, you know, I know they come from Central America, Central South America. But how did they come and when did they come uh, to Europe and, you know, then to Britain and these sorts of things? And, um, and it was great fun digging deep into that and to finding out when they were used, how comfortable were they to sleep in? Um, you, you know the kind of person you are. You're the kind of person in the days when people had the encyclopedia as opposed to just the endless Wikipedia and the Internet that would open a page to hammock or, or even this Terra Nova expedition, and then you would become intrigued by hammocks and how were those used on ship or anywhere else and how, where did hammocks come from and how are they made and this little two-foot one for this little kitten. And so I think... The beauty of the book is that while one is amused by the cat story and the cat picture, you you go off in another direction the way really bright people do, just consumed oh, with curiosity. Say, but I did like things. I loved encyclopedias as a child. I bet. Um, I absolutely loved them, and we had a very a very strange one called Arthur Mee's Encyclopedia that my parents had, which looked old even when I looked at it as a child, and I had no idea whatever happened to it. But yes. It was one of those things where you could open it at any page and become immersed in the most extraordinary yes. stories. And that's, and that's what liked. really, and that happens in Sea Furs. I mean, so you're one's reading about this little small black muscular cat being written about by the admiral and his officers. Mm. And then the fact that it jumped into its own little hammock to sleep at night with its little blanket and its little pillow. But then you go Having into a whole... Having eaten too many moths. Yes, too many moths for dinner. It had a full <laughs> belly of moths. And then you write a whole thing about sleepy cats and how much cats sleep. And then hammocks and where they came from and, and the word hammock and where it came from. And then other words that have come from the people who, in, you know, who invented the hammock. It's, it's totally wonderful, Philip. And we've, we've run out of time, but I have to say this book is absolutely one of a kind and a sheer delight to anybody with intellectual curiosity about things they don't know about. And I think that's one of the beauties of the book. It is just full of surprises. And being a cat lover helps, but it's absolutely not necessary. It's, it's a wonderful look into, into a whole world that, that came before and, and even exists now. So thank you for this book. And I'm really eager for people to find it and for your wonderful small publisher to have done such a great job producing it. So congratulations to you. Thank you very much, Tracy. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and being given the chance to read you one of my favorite stories. Uh, well, they're all wonderful, and I hope everyone gets a chance to read them all. Thank you so much. That was Philippa Sandal with her wonderful book, Seafurers, The Ship's Cats Who Lapped and Mapped the World, an Incidental History, and there'll be a link to it with the podcast to this show. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. 
It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey, so your cat's appetite is satisfied longer without compromising her health. This is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food to your cat, even as part of her diet, although I recommend that canned food should always be your cat's primary diet. Feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments to radiopetlady at gmail.com. Now pop over to Amazon Prime or Tubi TV where you can watch streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free. Also thanks to Dr. Elsie's.